0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu.
1: We're going live in 3, 2, 1, C-A-T-V, Well, hello. This is Matilda with a bit of international news this stuff
2: going on. like the rest of us my guest today has been finding new ways to pass the time in quarantine
1: good stuff oh mine the leather the weather man just fallen into my short well hello this is Harry Larry. <laughs> Well, hi, this is Harry Larry reporting live from Larry's Weather Corner. I sure hope that- Harry Larry is a long running um, head meteorologist. Um, oh, actually, no, he's a weatherman because, and he's a little resentful around that. He always wanted to go to like a good four year school and become a meteorologist. Um, <laughs> But just never found the time, and he was already like a woman. My guest, of course, is the one and only Jonathan Venice like a full meteorologist. But he doesn't want that to come through on camera, you know. So he he always wants to be welcoming and you know really sweet. But he does have some resentment
2: about that. Uh-huh.
1: Matilda is from Adelaide, Australia, <laughs> which is famous. If you follow famous,
2: JVN on Instagram, has, um, you probably already know that he has four cats. So- but if you haven't checked his feed lately, you may not have known that he's cast them in something he calls cat TV. So besides international reporter Matilda and weatherman Harry Larry, there's also Lady G
1: um, she has a more nuanced story. She is from East London. She's British. She came to the United States to get sober. <laughs> and Liza um, she likes to report on she likes to report on really a lot of food. She's really into food. Um, or maybe we could do like a, um, like a more lighthearted, like morning show, but with cats, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Well, I will tell you this you know how they do like those like morning packages uh-huh. for like the Today Show and like Good Morning America where it's like you know this is our family or like this is us and it's like you know slow motion of like everyone like doing cute things and drinking coffee and like in the newsroom together and like slow motion walking like to their desks we are currently <laughs> working on putting together like some sort
2: of opening package for the cat. I'm so ready for that you're listening to It's Been a Minute are. i'm sam sanders and my guest today is back for a second time jonathan Van Ness, you may know him from netflix's queer eye or his podcast getting curious or his memoir over the top a raw journey to self-love well jvn is now out with a second book but this one's for kids it's called peanut goes for the gold it's about a gender non-binary guinea pig who has their own way of doing things Before we talked about that book, JVN and I caught up on what life's been like lately and how he's been dealing with social distancing, aside from, you know, cat TV. Also, we should probably mention that this was really the first time that we've taped a long interview for the show since working from home. So I had my head kind of crammed halfway into a big phone box. JVN was in a closet full of skirts. You'll hear more about that later. All right, let's get to it. Here's my chat with the always lovely Jonathan Van Ness. A lot of people's instinct right now in this weird moment is just to watch the news or read the news or hear the news all day, every day. And it's like, that is actually not healthy for you. There's a certain point of information about COVID where it's just too much for your mental health.
1: Well, and there's also just like, once you have the information, it's like, you can't, there's not much that you can do with it. Like once you have it, you oh, know? yeah, it's and, like wash your hands, okay.
2: Keep yeah. washing your hands, stay home.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so I think it's really like, what else can we get into? I wanna sign up for Rosetta Stone. I wanna learn a language.
2: Ooh, you should do that. Right? You should do that. That is very inspiring, yeah, yeah. It's funny, it's like, I'm hearing how everyone is dealing with this strange moment. And there have been a lot of folks trying things for the first time, picking things back up after a long hiatus. Like, I just pulled out my saxophone two days ago, and I haven't played in years. Are there things that you have revisited that you've picked up again, you know, in this moment?
1: Not – well, actually, yeah, cooking. I've been cooking a ton. And so it's been really fun to put a lot of, like, what Anthony's taught me to put that to use. And – um. In the kitchen, and it's like, and to try to figure out like how to stretch like the produce and the canned goods like a little bit more. And I really have become a lot more like noticing like my food waste and mm. not wanting to waste food at all. Yeah. And so I've really been like, that's been fun to like extend things and like how many weird things can I put in this smoothie? <laughs> to like, cause I feel like that's kind of like where I blend like the produce. I'm like, I'm not wasting this produce this is liquid gold. I'm going to eat this. I will cut that mold off of that half a strawberry and throw the rest of this. I'm figuring this out. (laughs) It's
0: still good. Yeah.
2: Um, Exactly. You know, what's so funny is like, I've been cooking more as well. And I'll say like, as a single person cooking for myself, like you realize these recipes are big. I'm always making a lot of food and I'm like, okay, I have to eat all this now.
1: Yeah, I also did just discover, like, reducing recipes. Mm -hmm. I, like, literally just, like, you can, like, half that. Like, I I actually really did just start doing it. I was like, oh, my God, because I was making this cake and I didn't have enough baking soda. So I was like, oh, I'll just, like, half both of these. And I did, and it was
2: fine. What's been your favorite thing that you've cooked during uh, social uh, distancing? I'm
1: so glad you asked. (laughs) This chicken fajita casserole.
2: Do you want to hear it? Oh my God, I want to hear it. Okay, so you
1: tear out tortillas and you line the bottom of the casserole dish with that. Then you marinate chicken breast in salsa, a packet of taco seasoning, and like a little bit of, like I use like the paste salsa, but and then I mix like a little bit of like the skinny, like the skinnier like hot sauce in with that, you know, for some extra. Then I marinated that for like two Mm -hmm. hours. The chicken. Then I get the chicken out, honey, Mm. I bake it. I bake the chicken for, like, um, 20 minutes on 400. Then, while that's baking, I take a green pepper, a red pepper, an orange pepper. I diced all that up. Then I diced an onion and a thing of garlic. Like, seared that on the stove with a packet of taco seasoning. Again, I was really going spicy. And then I just, like, seared that for, like, a few minutes, like, till it was, like, tender. Then I got that out. Then you take the chicken out. Then you cut up the chicken in little cubes. You put the chicken and the vegetables in, like, a big mixing bowl. You do eight ounces of sour cream. And then you mix all that stuff together. Then you put it on top of the tortillas. Then I put refried beans on top of that. Oh, no, I lie. A layer of Spanish rice, then a layer of refried beans, then a layer of uh, sprinkly cheese. And then you bake all of that for 20 more minutes on 400 degrees. And it was so gorgeous. Actually, I think it
2: was 350. I love it. Ah! right? I love it. It sounds delicious. And I'm also so happy that like casseroles and hot plates are like having a moment right now. Like bring it back. Bring back casserole culture. I love it. There's nothing wrong with putting a bunch of stuff in a pan and just cooking it.
1: That's the only way I've ever known how to cook. So I didn't know that it ever left. Yes. I've only ever really known how to do casseroles, but I'm Midwestern.
2: There you go. There you go. Well, I will try this recipe very soon. We do a lot of casseroles. Well, I want to talk about your book for a second. Well, I mean, for more than a second. Yes, please. (laughs) This is the second time that we're hanging out to talk about a thing that you wrote. Did you expect, JVN, years ago to have the title of author and have published not one, but two books? No. Really such a
1: happy surprise. Um, But it certainly has been an honor to be able to call myself an author, to be able to have a writing career. It's like really beyond my wildest dreams. And, I mean, the process of writing Peanut Goes for the Gold was certainly less strenuous and a lot more joy-filled than the process of writing Over the Top. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly a lot quicker. Like, Over the Top took me so much longer. Oh, yeah, because that was your whole life. Totally. And, and, you know, Peanut Goes for the Gold is, like, a quite short little baby picture book that actually, I think, really the funniest story of is that, like, originally, when I was talking about writing this and, like, how I was going to write it, I wasn't sure if Peanut should... Well, basically, I was like, I didn't know if... When Peanut does go to the National Junior Rhythmic Gymnastics Championships, (laughs) I was like, does... Because there's... A stumble happens. And I didn't know if the stumble should result in one of those, like, it's participation that counts, you know, moments. Mm. Or if, you know, Peanut should win the Junior National Championships. Um, And, you know, I was really conflicted Mm -hmm. about that. And then I was like, no, peanut's a winner. Like, I I got enough participation trophies growing up (laughs) to last every kid in America a lifetime, honey. Yeah. And this dang guinea pig is going to get their
2: gold medal. All right, time for a break. When we come back, what a guinea pig who does rhythmic gymnastics can teach us about
0: pronouns. BRB. This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. Right now, every household in the country is being asked to fill out the U.S. census. It's the form that helps us determine how voting districts are redrawn, where to build public schools and hospitals, how to spend federal money. So why are some people afraid to fill it out? We're getting into all that this week on NPR's Code Switch podcast.
2: You know, this is a children's book in which the main protagonist uses they, them pronouns. And I feel like that's a big deal. And it's going to be something that will make parents and kids possibly talk about pronouns. Um, how intentional was that with the book?
1: It's was really intentional. Um, you know, so much over the last, you know, couple of years I have had, before I came out as non-binary and, you know, had that conversation publicly, I had been asked about it so much and about what my pronouns were by kids and adults alike, and I talk a lot about over-the-top about, you know, kind of what my dad and I's experience was with me as a kid um, about gender, and it wasn't welcoming or, um, you know, calm, and, and as adults, you know, my dad has come around so much, and he's so supportive, and he's an incredible dad, um, but in the early 90s, there was no warm or, or welcoming place to talk about that. And I I think I realized that it was so important for people to be able to talk about it because even in terms of being non-binary, which when I look back at myself my entire life, there really is no other category that better describes my experience or who I am mm. um, as a person as non-binary. I mean, I am, you know, so thoroughly male and female in different aspects in my life and in my nature In just in so many ways. Mm. Um, But I didn't even know that that was a choice.
2: Well, and you know, it feels like it's probably a bit easier to have the conversation about pronouns with a kid when it's coming through a children's book that your parents are reading to you at night, as opposed to school or in a classroom or in a more formal setting. This seems like the kind of entry point into talking about these things. Um, that can feel comfortable for folks.
1: Yeah, and in a way that isn't, um, it's not, like, it's not preachy, it's not scary, it's not, like, it's just people who are non-binary and people who have used they-them pronouns have existed for hundreds of years in cultures and in places around the world. So it's like, it just doesn't need to be, like, a controversial concept or topic, and what better way to talk about that than through a rhythmic gymnast... Obsessed guinea pig.
2: There you go. Besides pronouns, there are some other, you know, subtle ways the book is nodding to non-binary identity. We are seeing Peanut um, dress in a way that really defies gender. We're seeing Peanut's parents help make their clothes. Like it's not just the pronouns; the whole book is embracing this. I think.
1: Yeah, the family's really supportive, um, and there's really no. Like I guess that's what I mean when I say, like, preachy. It's, like, it's not – it's really not hitting anyone. It just is. Yeah. It is, and it's fun, and it's beautiful, and the heels are fierce, the capes are fierce,
2: the ribbons are fierce. A fierce guinea pig. You love to see it.
1: Yeah, I wish I would have had, like, a cute little, like, red, like, chunky kitten heel when I was, like, eight.
2: (laughs) You know, it seems like you wrote the kid's book that you would have loved to read as a kid. Um. I recall from your memoir that you were a boy who was really into gymnastics, really into figure skating. At what point did you say, yeah, let's write this book?
1: It was in the middle of writing over the top. okay, And I needed like a little bit of lime sorbet, if you will. (laughs) Like I was just so stressed uh, and just working so much and writing so much, I was like, I wanted to just do something fun. And I was like talking about rhythmic gymnastics and like guinea pigs felt fun.
2: Yes, totally. This book is also a lesson for parents and not just for kids. Peanut's parents in this book, as we mentioned earlier, they support their kid- No questions asked. There's not a conversation about them having to come to terms with this. There's not a moment where they have to be lectured. They just support. And this idea of just letting your kids be who they are, letting your kids be kids and supporting them. It's funny. We've been talking to a ton of parents who are having to homeschool their children right now because schools are out because of COVID. And the biggest theme I've heard from all these parents is... I wanted to have a schedule and a structure and a this and a that and do it this way and do it that way. And a few days in, we just realized the kids are going to be who they are. Let's just let them be who they are. Like, this is really a moment, I think, right now where all of us, parents especially, are seeing that, like, people got to be who they are.
1: And it's like what you resist persists Mm. and what you accept flows. Mm. And for, you know, the resistance that I encountered, you know, in my childhood is what caused so much of my trauma. And the way that you come up in the world, the resistance that your parents give you, that your educators, that your peers give you for being who you are, that will stick with you forever. Oh, yeah. And it's at some point, it it becomes on you once you become an adult to heal that trauma and for you to self-soothe that trauma and for you to kind of go back to your inner child and work through that as an an adult because no one else is going to do that work for you. Um totally. But let's give kids the chance to not have to go through all of that. Let's like let's give people love and, and acceptance and support. Yes. And make this world like a little bit better of a place, honey. Yeah.
2: Let's raise some peanuts. Why yes, not?
1: Yes, and that's what Peanut wants to do. Yes.
2: yes. Time for another break. When we come back, we talk more social
0: distancing and WWPD. What would Peanut do? B R B.
1: Support for NPR and the following message come from the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org.
0: Hey, Mindy here from the Wow in the World science podcast for kids and families. If you're looking for fun ways to educate and entertain your kids, we've got you covered five days a week.
1: On Mondays, go on a scientific adventure with Wow in the World, and Tuesdays through Fridays, play along with our new game show to What's in a Wow? It's Wow in the World from Tinkercast and NPR. Subscribe and listen now.
2: Question for you. If Peanut, this lovable, vibrant character, were in the world right now... How would Peanut be surviving social distancing? How would Peanut pass the time?
1: Well, I think first of all, hopefully, fingers crossed, like three weeks ago or like a month ago, Peanut would have like read the tea leaves and would have made sure to have gotten a baton, a set of batons and a hoop and a ribbon and the ball and gotten them for their backyard and made sure that we, you know, could still be practicing in the backyard because the gymnastic is, you know, probably shut down right now you know, for Peanut, it would all be about making sure to continue training for Tokyo 2021. I, I'm not quite sure how old Peanut's going to be in 2021. I haven't really developed their story that, you know, I- intensely. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, 2021 is coming up. We really got to keep Peanut training. You got to um, get
2: ready. Yeah. What is uh Peanut's rehearsal soundtrack?
1: Peanut's really into Lizzo, really into Dua Lipa's new album, also really into, like, kids bop volume like seven through nine like really like those classic like kid bop range you know from like the late 90s or or whatever i'm just kidding i have no idea i haven't seen one of those infomercials for a long time but i did think that could
2: be a funny joke for this instance (laughs) just threw it in there most Um, definitely i will say that dua lipa album she did what she had to do
1: uh
2: who it was good who
1: she that line where she's like i should have stayed home she, is, she really had
2: her ear to the oh, ground. Oh, yeah, an anthem for the moment. She, did, she knew. Nula <laughs> she Peep knew. So incredible. You know, I have been asking everyone how they pass the time, how they get through this moment with joy. Um, but a thing I'm also interested in is what people do in, the, in these moments of isolation when there's nothing left to do. Like when you've done all the chores, done all the coffee dancing, done the cat TV, done your show, and you're just in your apartment and it's quiet, what's happening for you then? I have not gotten there yet. Uh,
1: I have not gotten there yet. Okay. Because I (laughs) am just still making CATV sets. I am cleaning the oven deeper. I, um... I'm going to teach my quarantine buddy how to play gin. Cause still haven't done that. And, um, and it's like, it's weird. Cause like, you know, I feel like I read the news like till like, you know, nine in the morning. Then I do a little, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: coffee dance, feed the cats. Then I do a little workout. Then I still have kind of been like writing or researching for getting curious. So I really have still, I have still been doing stuff. And to me, that's really been helping me kind of feel hopeful going through all of this because it's weird. It's like, you know, they say like the four agreements, like never take anything personally. And when some of this started, there was a lot of people posting about like, you know, you don't need to write the next novel. You don't have to start a podcast. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. Like it's okay for you to just be. Mm -hmm. And while that is true, um, it is okay to be, to just be. It's also okay for people to, want to try to find a way to be productive while staying safe. Yeah. And um and if that's something that yeah. is part of your self-care and good for your mental health, which it certainly is for mine, um that's okay.
2: Yeah. So I had this moment where I had this weekend felt like I had just finished everything. I had cooked food, I had exercised, I had cleaned the apartment, I had walked the dog. And I was just sitting there and I was like, "Well, what else do I do?" And like I had this like big realization and it was like it's okay to do nothing for a little bit. It's okay to be still. It's okay to be quiet. It's okay to like not have that. And like, I think for me now, it's trying to internalize being okay with both urges. Like there's some days where I want to do everything. I want to bake everything. I want to cook everything. I want to learn everything. And there's other days in the midst of this where I just want to sit down. And I think at first when the distancing began, I would feel guilty about that. And now I'm just like, it's okay.
1: No, yeah, but to be clear, I mean, I've, like, rewatched, like, the first two seasons of Westworld to, like, reacquaint myself with, like, now that season three is back on with my (laughs) quarantine buddy. We also, like, you know, have dipped our toe back into Breaking Bad because we never really watched it. Like, I'm getting a good, like, three to five hours of TV time an evening.
2: Oh, man. Thank you, JVN. Thank you to your cats. Thank you for your two books. You know, I always appreciate the positivity and joy that you bring into the world, but I especially appreciate it right now. Everyone needs it, and you're providing it. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: It. Thanks for having me again. I'll talk to you uh,
2: soon, I hope. Thanks again to Jonathan Van Ness. His new children's book is called Peanut Goes for the Gold. All right, if you want to hear more from JVN and from other members of the Fab Five who were interviewed here on NPR, you can find them all in one playlist. Just search Queer Eye Podcast from NPR on Spotify. All right, listeners, don't forget you're a part of the show, too. This Friday, we're back with another wrap on the news and culture of the week. And for that episode, as always, we want to hear from you. Share with us the best things that have happened to you all week. Record yourself and email that file to me at samsanders at npr.org. You might hear yourself in the show. All right, till Friday, thank y'all for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Stay safe, stay home. Talk soon.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. This message comes from The Run Through with Vogue. Listen as designers, Vogue editors, and industry icons like Erica Badu and Florence Pugh have in-depth conversations about fashion and culture. New episodes are released each Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.